Welcome to another episode of the Be Well Cartel podcast. Join us as we break down the truth behind all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, and more to help you form your own holistic definition of what is truly healthy for your body with a healthy dose of sarcasm, dad jokes, and real life experiences. If you're already a Be Well Cartel fan, don't forget to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and share your favorite episodes with your community. Thanks so much for being here, and we really hope you enjoy our newest episode of the Be Well Cartel. Again, I know I say this every damn time, but it's so nice to see you. Happy Friday. And yeah. I think it's so amazing. Um, you actually commented on the post that I put up yesterday, Jillian, that I can't believe we are 24 episodes in, and this is uh, so this is our 26th episode. This is going to be 26. We're a quarter yeah. of the way to 100. That's cool. Wow. This, but this is, oh my gosh. that's insane. Oh my God. I just got, I just got shivers all through my body because I thought, oh my gosh, we're nearly going to be at 100 episodes. And that means we can do something special. Like some. On our some- 100th episode, can we record that from an exotic location? We can. And we should also do something cool for like episode 52 because that'll be a year of. Well, cartel. Oh, I like that. Wow. We should record both of them from exotic locations. Mm. Great. <laughs> wow. For some reason, I was like, in my head, I was like, yeah, so the hundredth episode will be at the end of the year. <laughs> For some reason, <laughs> that's what I thought, thought too. And I don't Holly's know math like, apparently at all. <laughs> Holly's like, we're, hey, this is really yeah. <laughs> we're like halfway through. To be fair, it will be around the end of the year. Well, I don't know year. when we started. Well, I yeah, think we started like in January or February. I don't know yeah. when we started. I have no idea. I don't know what time is. I don't know what year it is. I don't know yeah. what month it what is. I don't know. Who um, am I? Yeah. yeah, I have no idea. All I know is that tomorrow might be Saturday. I don't, I'm not really sure. But maybe <laughs> um, um, maybe that that halfway episode, I don't know, maybe we'll have a cool giveaway or I don't know. We will. We idea. will have a cool giveaway. Ooh, can we put together like a gift basket, but maybe it'll have to be virtual because we have people that listen from all of the world. Virtual gift yeah. basket would be really cool. Um, and maybe we might launch one of our cool BWAR cartel ideas for our yeah. second. And we have many ideas. We have we so have many ideas. So many ideas. But I think we're, that, we're narrowing them down. We're doing okay. Yeah. I mean, so I actually I because of so I had been thinking about putting together like a like a real online community for my clients and for the people that go through my group programs. Um, that's something that I'd been sort of like playing around with different things, whether it was like a group on Telegram or like a Facebook group. And I'm, I suck at keeping Facebook groups going. Like, I'm sorry to anybody that's listening that may be in my Facebook group. I really apologize (laughs) to you because I post like (laughs) once every two months, but I started looking into mighty networks because Holly, I know that you're really into it and I've like kind of seen it. And honestly, it's so cool. And so I'm starting to bring, um, I'm starting to bring in the women from the conscious eating blueprint, which is my group coaching. Uh, as like a conscious eating continues group and then also clients and ex-clients and I'm really really excited to like maintain the connection so Holly I have to thank you for introducing me to that platform you are welcome I think it's a pretty cool platform I was introduced to it by another friend of mine Joe DiStefano who used to be the he used to be the director of sport for Spartan Race and so when he broke off to his own thing he made a thing on there and like invited me to join it and I was like wow this is pretty cool it's the, the only thing with it is like teaching yourself to open another app. And once you can get past that 
barrier is actually great because the but reason I don't nice open Facebook, Facebook. Yeah. that's exactly it. Cause like the reason I don't like opening Facebook and going in Facebook groups is because there's just like an influx of other crap when as soon as you open yeah. Facebook. Whereas when you open Mighty Networks, you can just go and browse the one group that you actually wanted to get information from. And you don't have like, especially because I open Facebook maybe like once a month. I have all these like weird friend requests and like. Well, and then it's people talking about like anti-vax or people talking about like weird, like conspiracy theories. And you're like, I don't even know who this person is. Like I, so in college, I ended up with like thousands of Facebook friends because I was part of the ski and snowboard club, which is basically just like, we called ourselves a drinking club with a snowboarding problem. And, <laughs> and so basically it was just me like Facebook friending. Cause like that was when Facebook was cool. And so I ended up with thousands of Facebook friends and I'm like, I have no idea who you are like oh, at all. I, I had that all the time. So I actually the only time I'm on Facebook is because I actually do have my client group on Facebook. And like we've, we've talked about, I want to kind of maybe move that to Mighty Networks because it's just so much cleaner. That's the way that I see it. It's just like clean and direct and this is what it is. And it is so interesting. Like, I mean, I don't spend time on Facebook. The only time is, is to go into my group. Um, but the random like people and from living overseas as well, so many people that I've met overseas in random countries and I met them for like, I don't know, a day or something like that. And it's like, let's be friends. And that was like 10 years ago. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I, who? Oh, yeah. What, do you ever get occasional babies and stuff? And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, what is this? <laughs> do you guys ever get, well, and I guess probably not where you're, where either of you are living right now because of COVID, but like, I've started to get like random because Europe is opening up to Americans. I'm now getting like random messages from people that I haven't talked to in like God knows how long. So I used to do, this is great guys. I, I used to do comedy improv which That's so obviously, cool. yeah. And I actually really miss it. And I would really, really love to do comedy improv again. But um, I was in a comedy improv group uh, in San Francisco for a while. And like some guy from my comedy improv group was like, hey, I'm coming to Barcelona. I was like, what's your name again? Like, but at the same time, it was kind of like, oh, that's cool and random. But yeah, I would love Wait, to get back into just... comedy improv. Yeah, can we go back to that? Because um, I... <laughs> I'm quite, I'm quite keen to campaign for this to be a thing in your life again, if possible. I, would, I, I, I actually thought I, I would for a like while, I was like, I should do stand up, And I was like, and now I'm, I'm like, why would I do stand up? Like, I'm not that funny. But yeah, we, comedy be, we improv, beg so, to differ. Thanks, guys. I want to say, though, and this is actually kind of like a life lesson. So when I was, this was when I was living in San Francisco, and I like, was not happy in my job. I was in this sort of rhythm of like, you know, the weekends you'd like go out and get drunk and then be like recovering over the weekend. And then during the week, you're just like, bah, I have to work, bah, you know? And so, and so the when, worst. yeah, where Mondays were like terrifying. And I remember at the end, I think it was like New Year's Eve, 2012 or not New Year's Eve, but like on New Year's, like from 2012 to 2013, I was like, I'm not doing New Year's re resolutions. I'm going to set like goals, like actionable goals that I can actually do. And one of the goals was, I was like, I need to regrain my creativity because I had, I had like stopped reading as much as I did when I was a kid. And I was just sort of like, I felt really stagnant. And so I was like, okay, how can I regrain my creativity? And I used to do theater when I was little, I was like a little actress and I could have been famous, but when I was four, I didn't want to take a shower. And so my parents were like, we're not taking you to acting class. <laughs> so they like my parents, my family called me Sandra Bernhardt when I was little, like after the actress, because apparently I just had tantrums all the time. Oh. And, 
<laughs> and I, so I, I decided to. I was like that as well, Jillian. First of all, on the tenth, you were a dancer, right? Take me to the pharmacy because the pharmacy always smelt so nice with like soaps and stuff. Oh yeah. And I would always have a tantrum when we had to leave because I just liked being in there. Always say that I was like the tantrum queen. Um, but also I was really into drama and stuff as well when I was at school, and that was like what I did. But I also remember that I used to not do things with that because I was so, so anxious as well when I was younger. That was me. But, what, yeah, but I couldn't, so I, was, I like, my mom used to always say to me, you're not fulfilling your potential. And I was just like, oh, I'm just, I'm really anxious and I really want to act, but I'm just too anxious. I never, like the dra- drama to me was just like the most terrifying, drama and PE, like phys ed were the most terrifying, like times of day in my life as a kid. And even when I like, but, but that for me was like, even when I was really, really young, like there's a, there's a picture of like a, you know, nativity play from when I was in like nursery school where I sat in the audience with my mom dressed as an angel because I was like too scared to go on stage and that but that like continued for me forever and when I was in when I was in secondary school like high school I used to have panic attacks in drama class if the drama teacher even like looked at me as though she was going to ask me to do something in front of the group and I'd have to go and sit outside because I like couldn't this makes so much sense though because it's like for example for me like I get more social anxiety in like a group of like five or six people that I don't know but like if you put me up in front of like in front like on a stage or in front of a bunch of people like I can like public speaking for me is like fuck yeah I love that shit Mm. you know whereas like but like for me if I had to like be at a dinner party with like eight people that I don't know and I don't feel comfortable like I would be so stressed out but if you like put me at that same dinner party but like my job was to like do a monologue or whatever, like I would feel so comfortable. It's the weirdest thing because then you also see it now where it's like, for example, on Instagram, like I'll just hop on and do video whenever, but like for you, Holly, like you're like, yeah, it's like my worst nightmare. So more, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so interesting, but I think it's so cool because it's like, as we continue to create this community, our strengths, all three of us have such different strengths that it's just like so amazing. And actually, oh, oh, I wanted to share with you guys. I think I sent you guys this on Instagram, but um, I got feedback from someone about the podcast the other day because I've been communicating a lot more with people on Instagram, just like, you know, when people follow me, like reaching out and being like, hey, like, how do you find my my profile? Like, love to connect with you. And I've been passing the podcast to quite a lot of, of people. And this girl that I recommended it to last week, I was like, hey, I would love to hear your feedback when you listen to any episodes. Like, let me know. And she wrote to me, she was like, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, I've been binge listening to the podcast and it's like hanging out with like three awesome women, but they're also like giving you information that is really helpful. And, uh, and I just wanted to let you know, it was really cool. And I was like, this is the best. This is also yeah, why billions got- are like sales part of the team. <laughs> yeah. Like how they're spreading the word. And we're just like, I got that from a client um, this week as well. She said, I didn't actually know that she listened and she said, oh, I I listen every week. And she said, it's like sitting around the kitchen table, just um, hanging out with friends. I was like, which is exactly what we want. That's what we're going for. Yeah. Yeah, It's cool. Yeah. Oh, you guys, that's so great. That's so exciting. And do we want to shift into our topic for today? Because I have no idea how long we've been talking for. 
Um, so today we are going to talk about like how to get into strength training. So we've talked about why strength training is important. We talk quite frequently in this podcast about like the benefits of strength training, especially for women. We talk about our experience with strength training. Um, but we also are very aware of the fact that like, for some people, that's not something that they do on a regular basis yet. And it, I think one of the things that we want to do with this podcast is give you ways to do things, not just this is why you should do something, but how, like how to actually do it. And so today we're going to talk about like what getting into strength training looks like, but also like how you can do that yourself. If it's something that you maybe you're doing, but you don't feel comfortable with it, or if you would like the idea, but you don't really know how to go about it. So it's going to be a good one guys. We wanted this podcast to be not just for people who are currently beginners and trying to get started with strength training but also for you even if you're experienced to have something to share with people in your life who you think might be interested in getting started but aren't sure how to get into it or are coming into this from different backgrounds and so yeah like we hope that this will give you information to share with them as well and potentially share this episode as well as information for yourself and also if you are already you know working out or you know doing resistance training or using weights making sure that you understand the difference between actual strength training and cardio, because I think that often lifting weights can turn into cardio if you're lifting weights fast or under time. And there is a very big difference between um, very intentional strength training and what that can give you as opposed to using weights in a more aerobic setting. Totally. I mean, let's start with that. Let's start with a definition of strength training versus cardio and, and where that line happens and maybe we want to start from sort of the area of functional training which I think is a very popular term at the moment and we hear it thrown around a lot and I think people often um, think that anything that's labeled functional training is also strength training I mean how do we feel about that Functional is like, there's such a broad definition. And I think I'm really excited to hear how Olivia defines this from like a performance standpoint, because personally, the way I see it is like functional training is any type of training that allows you to perform functions in your life in a more efficient way. But I think that that also like hearing that you're probably like, well, duh, but like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, but that's so right. Right. I mean, I think, but marketing has completely screwed it up for us by saying, you know, if 45 and stuff. Um, marketing themselves as functional training when they're doing uh, they're doing just kind of like high intensity exercise I mean we don't want to be dismissive dismissive of it because you know different kinds of exercises vary you know it's just yeah and if if they're improved like cardio can still be functional right like in the in the fact that 100% yeah if your fitness is improving and you're able to do more day-to-day than you were before like that's still functional but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's strength training yeah so I think when we um you know going back to the idea of like well what is functional it that has to come from you as an individual deciding what is your function in life and remember remembering that your function in life is going to be always changing with whatever phase of life that you're actually in so if your function in life is to literally just make it through the day because you've got a new baby then it's like okay how is your fitness actually supporting that if your function in life is to be a caregiver for elderly parents and you're trying to juggle kind of like working full-time as well it's like okay how is your fitness supporting that and I think that that is so important because 
I mean, this is just what I see in the in the fitness industry when we think about fitness is that too often we start with like a massive outcome goal. And rather we need to be thinking of going health first because when we are healthy and also when we're taking into account like what does our actual life look like, like what do we that and that's that function piece, that's when we can actually get results and move towards outcome goals. So I think that we need to kind of like flip it on its head um, with the way that things are expressed in the fitness industry, if that makes sense, that especially for women, when we're taking a health-based approach first and functional-based approach first for what that means for you, then outcome goals can be a byproduct of that. Does that make sense to you guys? So the way that I, the way, what I'm hearing you say is that like, we have often outcome goals. Like I want to look this way, or I want to lift this much, but if we shift it to process goals, where it's like, I'm going to aim to strength train three times a week, then it's like those outcomes then become so much easier because we've shifted it instead of looking at like, there's this future goal that I, that I may or may not get to, but there's so many other things that are dependent on it. That seems, and this is a lot like what I talk about a lot with my clients is like, Hey, like, yeah, we can have, for example, weight loss goals, but let's look at like, what are the goal? What are the the behaviors that we need to be completing in order to lead us down the path of that outcome goal? Because I think when we only focus on the outcome, like for example, if we're like, Oh, well, I want to do functional training because I want to I don't know, do a muscle up, for example, which is really just a stupid human trick. No, but like when was the last time you had to jump over a wall, right? And for those of you that don't know what a muscle up is, uh, Google it. It is a stupid human trick. But um, but, but also, you know, if you are competing in the CrossFit Games or you're competing, or, or then it is functional. Yes. It's your function, right? Yeah, exactly. But most of us aren't competing in the CrossFit Games, which is like, you did a post on this the other day that was like, you know, like how much of your like pie chart of your life is taken up by like body and exercise. And it's like, this is where I think speaking about strength training and functional training is like, you can strength train and it will destroy you for the rest of like for the rest of your day and you won't be able to recover, but you may be like getting stronger in the gym, but that's not functional because if you're like going in and you're doing like heavy deadlifts or like snatches or whatever it is, it's like, you know, weightlifting or strength related. And that's kind of like destroying the rest of your day where like, we've talked about this before, where like you can't walk upstairs because you're so tired or like you don't have energy to do other things. Like that's not functional unless your function is to compete in this particular sport i just want to circle back for people and kind of differentiate between uh sorry yeah some of the training <laughs> that we're talking about sort of like crossfit style training or orange theory or f45 like kinds that are very popular that still have resistance training involved and then the kind of strength training we're talking about and the strength training we're talking about is very likely to have much longer rest periods than an f45 or an orange theory usually does and those rest periods might be anywhere from like 60 seconds up to three minutes or more. Um, and I think that's something that people struggle with a lot when it comes to switching into strength training, which we'll talk about a bit later, those barriers. And it's usually going to involve sort of fairly repetitive movements week to week or some repetitive core movements week to week in sort of six to 12 week cycles, probably less switching up of movements all the time. And, and if you're following a good program, some kind of uh, sort of progressive overload so gradually increasing load or volume or strength like over the course of a program which differs quite a lot from sort of randomized movements being thrown together 
one of the things that I thought was really interesting, at least in the UK, and I'm not sure how government guidance is changing elsewhere in the world, but in the UK, for example, when it comes to health, the, the previous recommendation for exercise was something like 30 minutes a day of cardiovascular activity. They actually changed that in 2018, I think it was, to be first two strength training sessions a week nice. and then and then cardiovascular activity and strength training was put as the priority when it comes to health. Um, and they've shown, I might get this figure slightly wrong, but uh, I can open it up after this just to confirm. But even people that do one hour of strength training per week, like dedicated strength training per week, reduce their risk of like cardiovascular health related complications um, by 70%, irregardless of whether they're also doing cardio training, which is massive. Like that's huge. Um, and it doesn't mean that we, we're saying that cardio doesn't matter. Like we do think that matters for a, a lot of other aspects. But yeah, the, the strength training part you can see it's, be, it's, be, it's like being prioritized now because so few people are doing it and it's so key to health. When, when Holly said that, I was like, I wonder what the U.S. says. And it actually, so I'm looking at the key guidelines and it says, really, it says key guidelines for children and adolescents. They have it separated into aerobic muscle strengthening and bone strengthening, which is really cool. Key guidelines for adults. It says for substantial health benefits, adults should do at least 150 minutes to 300 minutes of moderate intensity or 75 minutes to 150 minutes of vigorous intensity. Additional health benefits are gained by engaging in physical activity beyond, uh, no, 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 wait, sorry. Oh, the last one is adults should also do muscle strengthening activities of moderate or greater intensity and that involve all major muscle groups on two or more days a week as these activities provide additional health benefits. Boom, nice job, United States. <laughs> you fucked it up with the nutrition recommendations again, but you know and what? Yet- yeah, and yet, like, so, how many people actually know about those updated? Oh yeah, people um, don't know rules. Because I think I think most people still would think about the cardiovascular previous recommendations, yeah. right? Of the of the cardiovascular. Stuff. We'll link this. I'm gonna we'll we'll link this in the in the show notes because this is a good this is good to look at. I think uh, it's interesting that we're talking about this because I was just thinking about this just the other week. Um, because I was just looking at those guidelines um, and was thinking how awesome it is that they have been updated. And also with the uh, guidelines in the States that they change the time that that it could, with the intensity that you're actually working at um, and how that correlates to the actual uh, like time investment that you put into it. Just on what Holly said, you know, what is really important is that as always, the fitness industry, <laughs> loves to box things up and make things like black and white and do this, don't do that, blah, 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 this is good, this is bad. And when we're talking about strength training, it is really important that we are not dismissing the importance of cardiovascular work. And this is especially important for women for like so, like heart health and heart disease in women is one of the most um, under, what's the word, like spoken about issues with women's health and doing cardiovascular training is extremely important for that and that is like doing slow aerobic work but also doing you know a little bit of intensity stuff that's always going to be relative to the individual as well um and so 
it is having like a, a nice mix of these things that it's not just about like, okay, just do strength training. Like cardio is bad. It's like, no, 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 no. Cardio is very, 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 very important and very good. And so it's just finding like the nice balance of that. Um, and the other thing as well with strength training is also understanding kind of like the differences within that as well. And so we have like power and we have absolute strength and we have hypertrophy and we have muscular endurance for most people like most people working out wanting to look good feel good we don't need to go into like power training and that's like one to three reps um and even for most people we don't even need to go into like full absolute strength stuff but we want to be staying within like that hypertrophy like doing a little bit of strength um and maybe a little bit of muscular endurance for general population like just wanting to look good feel good can you, so I think it could be really, really interesting for you to just briefly, I know you talked about power and absolute strength. Like, can you just give a really quick definition of hypertrophy? Cause I think it's also a term similarly to like what we talked about with periodized nutrition, where it's like a buzzword, but people don't actually know what it means. And it's actually like really important. Totally. So if we're thinking about power work, um, so that would be like one to three repetitions and what is important to understand here first is that in order for one to actually express like strength, like pure strength, absolute strength and power, you need to be stronger. Um, and so that's where often um, F45 or like classes and stuff get CrossFit's that testing like one rep maxes with beginners. Like that's not necessary. Yes, because what's happening is that you have not been given the opportunity to actually build your maximum physical potential. And so this is the process of adaptation, right? That we, I think I've talked about this before, but if I just use this as an example, so if you're wanting to start exercise or, you know, you're like, okay, cool. Like if 45 is doing this like 30 day challenge, or I'm just going to join and do this or something, and you go into something or like going into a CrossFit class and it's just like high intensity straight away, like fast contractions, like fast movements, go, go, go. If you're doing all of that all the time, you don't actually get the opportunity to build strength, which is what we're talking about today. And with that, actually a, a nice aerobic base as well. And so when we're slowly over time, building strength and slowly over time building aerobic capacity which starts with very simple stuff like motor control moving well efficiency of movement when we do this over time then we can get to a point where we can express power and we can express like real absolute strength and we can move at high intensity in a way that's actually going to be effective for us because when we think about like high intensity stuff the way that that's sold is like it's good for your metabolism and metabolically demanding and blah, 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 blah. but it's like no actually for most people it's not because they don't have the ability to express true high intensity to get that metabolic effect does that make sense so it does but you did not answer my question olivia my dear no <laughs> So your question the was, question was, can you define hypertrophy? And you were like, yes, absolute strength. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here we go. All right. So, so define hypertrophy and then we'll move on. 
basically hypertrophy is like muscle building basically and so we can think of this in a really simple way of like rep ranges so power is usually around one to three reps um absolute strength is kind of like three to about maybe like six uh sort of eight and then hypertrophy can be from like eight to like 12 reps and then anything above that like 12 plus is what we call muscular endurance and that's when we can move into more of kind of like more aerobic stuff um with that as well if we understand those rep ranges so if you're doing a set of like 10 squats if you're doing three uh, three sets of 10 goblet squats you're working in hypertrophy but you're not working in hypertrophy if your effort isn't matching that. And so remember that we need to be working at an effort that is actually challenging us. And so there's many ways that we can kind of think about this, but just to keep this very, very simple, you wanna be doing that set of 10 to where that last rep is pretty tough. Like you could maybe do one or two reps more at like beautiful, beautiful quality, but we that's where we wanna be because that effort that you put in is the thing that actually helps you to grow muscle or to move you towards where you want to go. And that goes back to what I was saying that if you're going into high intensity classes and they're like, okay, do a set of three back squat at like, you know, a heavy, heavy weight. It's like, you can't express that because you haven't built a base, built a base beforehand. Does that make sense? It totally does. And I just want to be clear that like, we're not shitting on orange theory or F45, like no those way. can be fun and cool. And like, I definitely, I remember when I lived in San Diego, I was like addicted to Barry's boot camp, which is very, I think very similar to orange theory. And it was so much fun. I absolutely loved it. And I actually missed it. I probably couldn't do it anymore because it was like really hard, but <laughs> But like, we're not shitting on that at all, but we, we, it's like those things can also exist with strength training. And this is actually something that I know all of us kind of talk to our clients about. And I think like the way that we do it is a little bit different. Like I will talk to clients and be like, Hey, how do we incorporate all of the things that you enjoy? And also like the benefit, the beneficial components of strength training, where like I have clients that they're like, strength training is boring to me. I'm like, cool. How can we make it more fun? Like, how do we incorporate this into your lifestyle in a way that is both beneficial to you health and physique wise, but also like you actually enjoy it. And I think that if, you know, if you're like, Hey, I just really like going to orange theory. Like you can take the, like the orange theory structure and turn it into a more, a I, I more in air quotes, a more strength training style, depending on the level of intensity that you put in in the different parts of the workout, if that makes sense. And so it does. you just have to, yeah, you just have to have that awareness, right. Of yeah, your own exactly. strength levels and be able to articulate with a coach. And that, that can be tricky. And so often it's kind of like, if you really enjoy orange theory F45 I'm like, and CrossFit totally falls into this by the way, because mm -hmm. I think although some CrossFit workouts have that sort of like one strength lift at the beginning, it's what it's normally one. It's like, 15 to 20 minutes of your one hour session and in the workout I think a lot of people feel like they're still doing strength training but this goes back to exactly what Olivia just said which is that you know like if you're looking for a, even a hypertrophy range and you're trying to do like yeah 10 squats let's say you have to have the time to work out like what a 10 rep sort of reasonable weight is for you and in a CrossFit class where it tends to go here's the strength movement okay done here's the workout, you guys have three to five minutes to warm up for the workout, the likelihood of you 
finding the appropriate weight for yourself in that time, unless you're very experienced, is unlikely. And so if you're if you want to get stronger, and that can be just for life, it can be sports specific, you will need to have some kind of dedicated strength training sessions in order to do that efficiently, right? And I know maybe from there we can go into let's say, let's say someone's listening and they're convinced, they're kind of like, okay, cool. I haven't done much dedicated strengthening before. I would like to get started with that. Where do people start? Yeah. Can, can I just say like everything that we've just said and just to relate that back to what I was saying about taking a health-based approach first to what we're doing with exercise, because if we are not, and if we are going to like CrossFit and stuff like that, and take we're not regulating within that with what we're actually capable of then that's when we actually aren't getting what we want from it so that's when our body isn't actually going to be as efficient with what we're doing so just like can what you're saying holly so when we are feeding ourselves well when we're recovering well when we're not doing too much exercise and not you know crossfit can be fun orange theory can be fun all of these things can be fun but if we're not layering that on in an appropriate way onto a body that is able to actually handle that, then we're not going to get that metabolic change that they are promising. Does that make sense? What I mean about taking a health-based approach first. So it's like, okay, what does my life look like? And how am I eating? How am I recovering? Can I actually handle this? And that's when you actually get results when you're making sure that the way that you're thinking about it, your stress, your sleep, like all of that is solid, that's when you are making the most of that. And so that's also where if we slow things down and you're like focusing on strength training and then a like easy aerobic work, that's when you build the base to be able to do that and then handle more intensity. I just wanted to clear that up. Yeah, no, and I think that makes that makes total sense. And I think that it's what it, it's exactly what we've been doing with this podcast for the last 25 episodes is like trying to help individuals recognize that like doing more is not necessarily going to get you to the results that you want. If you're doing nothing, then yeah, maybe doing a little bit more than nothing will be helpful. But like just doing more things is not going to get you closer to the the end goal that you're looking for. And but how well uh, can I think- you do it, right? Exactly. And I think that this and how well can you do it ties really well into like, how do you start? Because I think that there's this like big block sometimes that we have because it's like, okay, I really want to get started with this. But it's like you see someone, for example, in a CrossFit class, and they're doing like snatches and you're like, oh my god, like I can't do that. And it's like, well, yeah, because that is an advanced movement. And we're, and we're starting from like zero or we're starting from like, you know, an entirely different understanding. Like I remember when individuals would come into like the CrossFit gym and it was like the very first thing that I would work with them on is like, can we do a squat? Right. Which is like a very basic, like a very basic movement, but that doesn't just because it's a basic movement doesn't mean we have understanding to do that, but understanding like, okay. I want to get started. I can go to go sign up for a gym. I can go, I can find a personal trainer. I can find like an an online class. Like there's all of these options to get started. But I think that the, like, I think what we can talk about is kind of like, what is the ideal way to get started? And what are alternatives to that ideal? If the ideal is not open to you because of like all the crazy shit that's going on in our world right now. Totally. And that's partly why we wanted to define 
what strength training might look like before we tackled this part of the of the question right because I think I've had people in the past who were like I want to get into strength training so I'm going to go to uh, an orange theory class and and that's why we wanted to make that definition of like what is strength training because it's going to look a little bit different and it could be harder to find in fact it definitely will be harder to find there's way less for example way less strength focused group classes than there are like high intensity interval training focused group classes but it's available. And if you're looking for specifically strength training classes, there are more and more gyms out there that are offering them. CrossFit gyms can be a good place to look. There's quite a few CrossFit gyms now who would offer a powerlifting class, for example, or an Olympic weightlifting class specifically, or just a pure strength class. And if you can find that, that can be a really good place to start. And that's something that I send a lot of clients to if they don't have the financial means to start with someone one-on-one because a lot of those gyms will also take you through at least a, a sort of an onboarding to the gym so you're familiar with what the gym's like you're familiar with the coaches and they're familiar with how you move and I think that's one of the really key things and Olivia maybe you can touch on how to get into this from a one-on-one perspective if people do have that capability is learning how you move and learning what your body's limitations and strengths are before you start putting load onto it. I think what would be really cool is to just to help if if, people, if this is new to people and if they're still like, okay, but I still don't understand what they would actually look like. So if we just quickly say, so if you were going to do some strength training, that was just strength training, like what we're talking about, I'm making this up, totally making this up, but what this could look like doing four exercises and maybe you're doing, okay, I'm really making this up, like very, very basic like eight to 10 repetitions of an exercise resting do it again rest do it again rest right so this is just very very simple if you were doing that in like a class where it's more high intensity it might look like you've got a clock for 15 minutes and you're going to do these four exercises as fast as you can in that time and do as much work as possible does that give a clear kind of, can you guys just give the, me a the latter, The yeah. latter being like less strength focused, more right. cardiovascular yeah. system yeah. focused and the former being the one that is more strength focused. And and I think the reason that, that we want to head towards the more strength focused, especially for beginners, is that like the movement patterns that you have when you're moving quickly, quickly break down. And so if your movement patterns are not ideal, when you start doing something like that, then the second that you go quickly, you're a lot more likely to see breakdowns in movement patterns, which is where we see things like injury. Whereas it's like, people are always talking about like, oh, CrossFit is dangerous. Like you're gonna injure yourself in CrossFit. It's like CrossFit itself is not dangerous, but doing movements, whether it's in CrossFit, whether it's running, whether it's whatever modality that you're in, when you're adding speed to something before you have stability. And when I say stability, stability is like a solid movement pattern then you're going to run into problems. And this is why when I think when you are starting out, having a little bit of guidance and even that can even be, I know that maybe some people won't agree with me as they're listening to it, but that can even be like going on YouTube, finding a, a an instructor that you, you seem to like trust that seems like they can give you good. And, and there will be like, I know crossfit.com has breakdowns of movements. And if you actually go online and look at the movements and listen to the breakdown and see the bullet points, you can teach yourself movement patterns. Will they be ideal? 
I don't know that it kind of depends on you, but like, you can do this yourself. If you're like, Hey, like, I'm really nervous. I don't want to ask anybody for help. Like there are resources. Um, the reason that I recommend crossfit.com is because I know that they put like bullet points of how to do the exercise, which is way better than just seeing some random person, like move and then be like, do this. But I think that that's where it's like, you want stability before you pick up speed. And I think that any type of sport would tell you the same thing. Yeah. So speed and complexity and load, like for sure. And um, this doesn't mean that you can't do huffy puffy. Like we're not saying that you only do three sets of 10. <laughs> like that's not it at all. I mean, frameworks, a few methods are many, there are many, many ways to do this. But so for example, for me, even with my like people that are newer to strength training, it's about like giving them what they want and what they need. And so that's where actually working with someone who understands you, you know, can understand your body and what's going on is really important that you can still be getting stronger, like doing strength training, but you can also have a part where you're doing a little bit of puffy puffy. So you, you know, you feel like that you're working hard as well. I think that that's really important. Um, but also just on the YouTube thing is that, if you're doing that, I think that that's great because there are, you know, great people giving out good information on YouTube, but, you know, film yourself with that. And so you can watch something, but, and this is why having someone else watching you, especially if you're new to exercise is so important. And actually I would say that for many people who have never lifted a weight before, never done anything like this you know, except for doing like sort of monostructural kind of cardio or something, I will always say if you can, if you have the resources and the ability to, to even have one or two like in-person personal training sessions so that you can understand how to move because you can see something and you can mimic something, but unless you know what not to do, or unless you know what that kind of feels like, then it's really hard to know if what you're doing is right or not. And that's when you can continue to practice movement patterns in a really poor way when you think that maybe you're doing it right, but maybe you're not. And so, you know, um, videoing yourself can be a good option with that. And those one to two sessions that Olivia just mentioned, like, even if it's one, even if you opt for one, one-on-one -on -one session with a trainer that investment is so worth it especially if you're planning to go into a group strength uh, environment afterwards because you can invest in a relationship with a coach that coach is going to know who you are as soon as you step into their class they're going to know how you move and they're going to be able to make specific recommendations for you and your body every class from there on out which will really help you should still film yourself if you're doing stuff one-on-one -on -one with a coach even if you're doing one-on-one -on -one with a coach every single time that filming yourself piece is just so helpful and just making sure filming from the right angles for it to be helpful I think is important um but yeah so we talked about you know the ideal being being able to go one-on-one -on -one with a coach if you can do like 10 if you have the financial resources to do 10 sessions a 10 session package with a coach to then plan and go to train by yourself in a gym environment or online with that coach or anything else that would be like the absolute ideal probably to be able to do sort of eight to ten sessions with a coach really get all your movement patterns down get solid with all the movements with someone else's eyes on you whilst also filming yourself to get feedback and and then going into okay cool I feel confident enough to train by myself that takes away the burden of thinking I'm going to have to pay for personal training forever 
if you go in and you say to them when you go in, my intention is to do these sessions with you so that I can train by myself. Please teach me as we go rather than just like assigning me things to do. If that's not available to you, then doing like one or two sessions with a coach and then going into either a group class environment with I still on you or by yourself, but still working with maybe with an, a coach online where you're filming yourself and getting their feedback. And if that's not available to you, at least like Jillian said, going to a good resource like crossfit.com or the power monkey training also does really good breakdown videos of movements, watching those, getting ideas, doing them yourself, filming yourself and, and doing it like that. So we, we have kind of a progression there of like most financial expense to least financial expense. Um, and hopefully that gives people a good sort of variety of ways to get started with that strength training. And something I want to mention is that like, if you're going to like a, any big box gym, um, a lot of gyms, and this is kind of where we talk about advocating for yourself. And this is where a lot of gyms do offer like an intro personal training session. And a lot of people like you'll, it's one of those things that you kind of like hear about when you sign up and then you forget about it. And so ask your gym, like if you sign up at a gym and you're, and you're now thinking like, Oh, I'd like to start strength training. Like ask them if they have a free personal training session and communicate with the personal trainer and be like, Hey, like my goal is to start per, to start strength training. Like, can you teach me movement patterns? And the reason why like movement patterns and not just be like, can you teach me how to use like machines is because that is going to be like the bet, the, the biggest, like the maximum investment in your time is to learn different movement patterns, learn how to move your body in an efficient way. And then from there, like learning how to use a machine is really easy if you do decide to go that route. But learning how to do things like a squat, a hinge. I know um, next week. Next week we're gonna talk about movement patterns. Holly mentioned like from ideal to like realistic for a lot of people. Understanding that like these things do cost money, and sometimes like our financial priorities are in other places, and there are quite a lot of barriers. I think that there's you know sometimes we think of like oh I'm just making excuses, and I don't really like using that terminology because I think that a lot of the time it's like that excuse or whatever it is that you're telling yourself is there for a reason because there is some sort of barrier whether that is like a mental barrier whether that is an actual like geographical barrier like if you're living in the countryside in wales like you know 30 kilometers away from any gym then like yeah you saying like oh i'm not going to make it to the gym like that's not an excuse that's like I wouldn't either. Like the reason I go to the gym is because it's a five minute walk from my house. <laughs> so I think that we want to be really um, really understanding of like when we say, and this actually came up on one of my group calls uh, this week is one of the girls was like, well, I feel like I'm making excuses to go to not go to the gym. And I was like, well, maybe the issue is not that going to the gym is too difficult. Maybe the goal of going to the gym right now is too big for you. And so we broke that down. And this is where I think that getting through these barriers can be really helpful by breaking them down. And so for her, for example, like sh she would love to get back into strength training, but right now this idea that she had in her head of like, I have to go to the gym three times a week. I was like, why don't we just put up, have the goal of like putting on your workout clothes? Like that breaks down a barrier right there. And so now that you have your workout clothes on and it's comfortable for you to put on your workout clothes, like you're one step closer to getting into the gym. And this is where I think that that's one barrier that pops up a lot. But then another one that I think, and this probably pops up more with your clients, Olivia, is people that are trying to balance a lot of different priorities and a lot of different things that they like um, or that they want to do with strength training. And this actually came up, I had a, a discovery call with a client a while ago and she was like, yeah, I'm training like six days a week. And then on my off days, I do volleyball and I do this. And I was like, oh God, like we need to relax. 
But this is like, I think a big barrier to building true strength and in getting involved in strength training is when it's like, wow, I, I almost don't want to say this because I feel like this is going to take us down a rabbit hole. So I'm going to need you guys to stop me when I say this. All right. Is this idea of like the gym for a lot of people is like, the gym is my therapy, whether that means like going to the gym to do cardio or going to the gym to do, uh, you know, spin classes or whatever it is. And so it's like, if that is your concept of like therapy or like, you know, that's how you get yourself to feel better, switching some of that focus onto strength training that may be newer for you may not be as comfortable, may not feel like such a release at the moment can be kind of hard. So I'm going to try to stop that rabbit hole right there because I think we could go down it a lot. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a, a a very different um, thing, which I think we probably talked about that a little bit, but oh man, we could definitely get into the weeds with that. But just going back to um, the accessibility piece as well, you know, um, another option is is that you can do two on one. You know, if you've got a like finding a personal trainer, and that actually makes it a lot more cost effective. When I was an in person trainer, because um, I'm all online now, but I would do that. Um, I would, you know, to for me, it was better for me, but also for people. Like um, if you have a friend or something as well, and if you are new, that can sort of take um, a little bit of weight off your shoulders as well with doing something new. If you can rope in a friend to start with you um, and just to learn those things and bring the cost down. The other thing as well is that um, now with COVID, things are just, oh my gosh, there's just so many things available. So even though it's not the same, um, but even doing Zoom sessions, you know, um for me I still have two clients of mine a couple in Taiwan that I still do that with um once a week but otherwise um I will just review videos um, of my clients but that's another option as well if maybe someone suggests a personal trainer to you but it's like okay I live in like a different country or something like that it's like they might do that you know so um, and the other thing as well is with going to a gym and actually Jillian took those words out of my mouth is that there are some there is a difference between fitness instructors so if you're going into a global gym there's a difference between fitness instructors and personal trainers. And personal trainers are actually, they usually are essentially contracted to the gym um, and you can hire them. Whereas fitness instructors, they often aren't qualified to be personal trainers. Sometimes, sometimes they are. um, And they work at the gym um, as like looking after the equipment, you know, um, general kind of like looking after people there and stuff like that. And often it's their fitness instructors that are actually going to do an introductory session with you or something like that. So that's something to keep in mind. And, and if you are new to exercise and depending on their background, they may just be showing you the machines and, I just have to say that there's nothing wrong with machines. I absolutely love them. And that can be a really easy way to just start, you know, um, if there are barriers there and maybe that's a, a mindset thing or something like that, then going into a gym and doing a circuit of like machines is very, it's great. And then from there, you can start to think like, okay, what else is available for me? And maybe that's when you start to see other people around the gym. Maybe you start to get to know the personal trainers a little bit. And then you think, I think I might start, I think I might try something else here, but there's nothing wrong with um, getting amongst the machines as a starting point. You're putting load on your body and that's what we want. 
So I want to circle back to what Jillian was mentioning, which one of the other barriers getting into strength training if you're already doing other sports or if you're like already doing like a lot of other physical pursuits in your life, that small group thing that Olivia mentioned can can be a way to help with that. So if for if for example your background is in triathlon and you want to get into strength training, doing a small group session with another friend who's also in triathlon would be a good way to get some sort of sports specific strength work in whilst reducing the cost, whilst also having a pair of eyes on you to make sure you're moving well and help you to balance it out because uh, you'll be doing a, an appropriate number of sessions. Um, the bit you guys mentioned about sort of exercise as therapy, I think is important to touch on in this balance bit as well, purely because sometimes the barrier to people doing more strength training is the fact that they have a very big focus on uh, high intensity exercise or exercise where they're breathing heavy in order to like release, I'm doing this in quote marks, release tension. And therefore they feel like they're missing out if they don't do that. And it's also that thing of moving away from an obsession with burning more calories within a session versus the long-term health effects of a session and the long-term performance effects of a session, which we talked about in our women and strength training episodes. We won't go too far into it here. Um, but if you're finding that you're afraid of taking time away from runs or cycles or swims or jujitsu training or whatever else it is you're doing to do strength training, look into why that is. is do you really think it's going to be worse for your performance? Or is it actually because you are afraid of not burning as many calories or your body changing or something else like that? Because that's a barrier, that's a mental barrier you'd have to overcome. And maybe that links in a little bit to the ego piece. So maybe we can touch on that, which is kind of just that bit of A, the ego of being a beginner at something again, and then B, like learning to be patient with, with the speed at which you progress and the speed at which your trainer might let you progress, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think a big part of the ego thing also is it is it comes from this belief in the fitness industry that like, if we're not sore, we're not getting a good workout. And when you're starting as a beginner, there's two things that will happen. Like, yeah, you'll probably be sore at first if you're not used to strength training, but you may also have workouts where you're not sore because the focus is actually technique, it's movement patterns. And that doesn't necessarily lead to this feeling of like, oh my gosh, I did such a hard workout. And that's actually a good thing because strength training also helps create like new neurological connections in the brain. So, so touching on, and I think Olivia, you can probably go into this better than I can proprioception, like where your body is in space is so important. Like, I can't tell you in, when I was coaching CrossFit, how many individuals I saw that like, and this go, this fa falls into the ego thing of like, they just didn't know where their bodies were. And it wasn't because like they were dumb or they didn't know, they didn't know anything. It was like, literally you don't know things that you're not familiar with and like anything. And I say this to my clients over and over. And I say this I, in, in my group coaching, I feel like all of us are kind of like, we say the same things over and over, but it's because they're really freaking important. And it's like anything you're good at now felt uncomfortable when you started. And so like, literally anything that you think about in your life where you're like, oh, I'm actually like whatever job that you're doing, for example, if you're like, oh, you know, like I, like I know how to do this. This is easy. Whenever you started doing whatever that thing is, it did not feel easy. It did not feel comfortable and you did it anyways. But I think as we continue to become adults, it's like the feeling, especially in our bodies of doing something that feels new and feels uncomfortable. If we have this fear of like, I'm going to look stupid. 
And it's like, well, the only person that's judging on, uh, like, if you look stupid or not is honestly you. Like when you're in a gym, the personal trainer, the coach, like they're not looking at you thinking that you look stupid. That is something that comes from our ego, believing that like everybody is looking at me because we are all the protagonist of our own movie. Um, and so the, the person that is going to be the most critical of you is you. And so I think that if we can start to embrace this idea of like, okay, yeah, this is difficult. That's okay. Like difficult is good. And the only way that you can fail at it is if you give up. Like, I think that it, and if you are working with a coach and that coach does make you feel shamed or does make you feel like you're not, that you're, you're doing something wrong, then that is the coach's problem. That's not your problem. And so whether it is a nutrition coach, a fitness coach, a a strength training coach, whatever it is, you should not feel shamed or belittled in any of those situations. And if you do, you have the right to, and you deserve to find a new coach or a new gym or a new person that can help you not feel that way. Yes. And this kind of ties into the last couple of things that we were going to talk about when it comes to barriers to strength training, which is the the patience with it um, and learning about what it actually means um, and how we actually adapt from strength training. Um, so sort of going on from what Jillian was saying and kind of tying back to what we were saying at the beginning of like, functional training right we have to come back to what's the point like what are you trying to achieve because when you have a clear understanding of that then you can actually have a roadmap for what that looks like and so like what holly said you have to really be honest with yourself and ask if you are if you have fear around doing strength training which means maybe slowing things down a little bit but remember that fast or slow doesn't equal better or it doesn't equal progress, right? It's just different. If there is fear around that, then you just, you have to check yourself and be honest with yourself and ask. And if you're not prepared to move to where you want to go, then you you have to manage your expectations. So if you're saying to yourself, I want to get stronger, but you're not prepared to do strength work to get stronger because you don't want to give up doing your high intensity classes or going for a 5k run every day, then you have to manage your expectations with that. And so that goes into learning about what goes with strength training. And that is intra rest. So when you are resting between sets so that you can recover so that you can do that work again. And that's how we stress the body and get better having rest in between training days as well and having patience for allowing for the process of adaptation, which is you laying that foundation so that you can actually express your strength and express your fitness um, the best that you can while you kind of with being patient with the process of that. So there definitely is. I think that those things just sort of tie into the ego thing as well, because when we are looking at fitness um, as a way to control our body, then that's a problem because then we're always using it as a means to an ends. And so that's where we have to move from looking at strength training as a way to actually enhance your life rather than 
you know, just using exercise as a, as a means to an end. So next week we'll touch on a few things that we didn't get to touch on this week. Um, like what does an assessment look like, whether that is an in-person assessment an online assessment, a self-assessment, we touched a little bit on how to advocate with yourself, with individual coaches. And I think next week we'll talk about group environments, which can be a little bit of a different beast. We'll also talk about basic movement patterns. And obviously it's hard to like really get too deep into movement patterns on a podcast. Um, but we will give you at least like a brief overview of what that might be like, or sound like, or look like. And we're going to talk about what a program should look like. Like what should you be looking for in a strength training program, which I think is really, really important, whether you're either starting out or if you've already been doing this for a while, because I think sometimes we can get deep into something thinking that we're on the path that leads us towards a certain goal. And it's actually not the most efficient way there. And just to recap, Holly, do you want to recap real quick? Sure. I'll recap. So basically today we wanted to give you guys a brief introduction to how to get started with strength training. So in order to help you with that, we did a definition of what strength training is and what strength training is in particular versus so-called quote unquote functional training as defined in fitness marketing and where strength, where resistance training can cross the barrier um, over into sort of cardio training rather than strength training. Once you knew what strength training should look like, we talked about how to get started with strength training movements, depending on your financial and time capabilities and where you are geographically. And then we talked about a few of the different barriers that can come up in getting into strength training, both physical and mental barriers, and how to overcome some of those. So hopefully that was really helpful for you guys. And yeah, next week we're going to dive into like how to actually physically get started with it and how to look at a program and check whether it's right for you. And then before we leave you guys today, we just want to give a bit of a shout out to OP, our very own OP, um, because she actually has a freaking awesome program um, and her launch is starting next week. And it's called Grit and Grace and you can find out about it more on her website and on her Instagram, which I will let her talk about in a moment. But Olivia, I know you, you do work with people who have experience with strength training, but you also have a specific beginner's version of your program for people who are just getting started in strength training. Yeah, so I do work with a lot of um, women that have come from a background of like CrossFit and um, sort of an experience with, with training and stuff like that. But I also have a number of clients that have never done strength training before. And we started together and we actually started online. Um, and now they're going great guns. So I do have one-on-one and I also do, do have my program grit and grace. And with that, there is a beginner track and the support with that as well. So it's definitely not just a program where you're given a PDF and told to go and do something and see you later. It's a very supportive um, program and I'm there to coach you along the way. So yeah, you can definitely find me on Instagram or my website and just see if it might be a good fit for you. And maybe we yeah, can put the I'm link for the registration in the show notes this week. Yeah, sounds yeah. good. And I just want to like pump up our very own OP because I've seen the way a lot of coaches work and the way a lot of coaches communicate. And I think that a lot of the time it's so focused on the result that as we mentioned before, like the process gets a little bit forgotten and Olivia has such like detail and put so much effort into the process that 
yeah, it's just, it's really cool. So definitely check it out. Um, even if it's not for you, if you're not, for some reason, if you're not following her already, you should be following her. And we're excited to, to talk about next week. Although I have to say guys, I love our nutrition episodes. <laughs> like those are just like, obviously that's like my jam, but this was really fun and I'm excited for next week. So thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Be Well Cartel podcast. Make sure to hit follow on the podcast app of your choice, share this episode, and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. It is a small effort with a big reward and the best way for other like-minded individuals to find the Be Well Cartel. To learn more about the Be Well Cartel community, stay up to date with us on Instagram at Be Well Cartel and see you again next week. We love feedback, so if you have anything to share with us, please reach out via Instagram to let us know what we are doing well, what we can improve on, and how we can support you.